Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Ruth, for that. Um, good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to have you all joining with me here and there. Uh, as has been said, today I am kicking off a series of summer reflections in the Psalms, that wonderful book of songs that's found in the middle of the Old Testament. And today we're going to be exploring my favorite psalm, because they told me I could pick whichever one I wanted, so why wouldn't I pick my favorite one, uh, which is Psalm 91. Um, and as, as is good practice, we'll start by reading it. So if you'd like to join me in your Bibles, scroll on your phones, Psalm 91, which says, <clears throat> Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high at your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample upon the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen to that. So, as I've said, this is my favorite psalm. And I'm aware that it's grown in popularity over the past few months, uh, particularly because it speaks about being saved from plagues and pestilences, which is suddenly a lot more close to home than it ever would have been before. But it's been my favorite since a while before then. I liked it before it was cool. Uh, because this isn't just a psalm for times of, of pestilence. Um, so for context, as has been said, I am nearing the end of a, a year-long apprenticeship with the Oxford Community Church. Um, and for the first few months of that, I took a practice where I would spend one week uh, meditating on one psalm. So a psalm per week, just to really, really soak in it. It was a fantastic practice. I recommend it to any of you, any of you who are getting in a bit of a rut with your Bible time. Um, and this psalm, Psalm number 91, was the one that I started with. Where else would, would you start? Uh, so I just graduated. Um, I was adjusting to this new adult life, all of these adult stresses, a new job, and the new responsibilities of my apprenticeship, and having to get up at six in the morning or some ungodly time. I imagine I might not be garnering much sympathy from those of you who've got kids and do real adult lives. But look, it, it was brand new for me. It was all these new stresses. And 
And in that time, when I was getting close to getting burned out at points of it, um, this psalm was a great deal of comfort. And in particular, that first verse, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That became like a mantra for me. So I'm going to unpack this verse a bit. First of all, isn't that amazing? Look at the language that's used to describe God here. It's the Most High, the Almighty. These are capitalized honorifics. This is the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth. We're talking fire and earthquakes and hurricanes, you know, power and awe and majesty. And this God invites us to dwell with him. In his shadow, we find rest. Now, the Israelites, when they were delivered from Egypt, you know, the ten plagues crossing the Red Sea, they they made their way to Mount Sinai. And God's presence descended upon this mountain. It became a holy mountain. It was shrouded in clouds, and there was thunder and lightning. And God said to Moses to warn the people of Israel that they mustn't even step on the very foot of the mountain because it was holy, and they weren't. And if they stepped on it, they would die. Now, I don't imagine that the nation of Israel found very much rest under the shadow of that mountain. And yet, we have this invitation from the Most High God that we can dwell in his shelter and find rest in his shadow. What a promise from God. And I also want to take a moment at this point to say, any of you who are watching who don't have a personal relationship with God, this is an open invitation There's no criteria, no stipulations on who can respond to this. The passage says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Whoever you are, God is waiting. God is willing to meet with you. So keep watching. So I've spent a fair bit of time on this verse already, and I'm going to keep looking at this verse. Don't worry, we won't be having an intimate dissection of every verse in the psalm. Much as I would love to, they haven't given me enough time. Uh, so, <clears throat> um, yes, we, we, I think that it's important to spend a fair amount of time on this verse because the rest of the psalm, all of the great promises and encouragements that we read there, stem from the closeness and relationship that's built by dwelling in God's shelter. You start by dwelling with the Most High. So the next point that I want to unpack about this verse is that it talks about a shelter. This psalm doesn't describe entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The the imagery is more of a hiding place, a place of seclusion with God. So let's imagine that you're out on one of your government-mandated walks. You're wandering through the suburbs. There's there's trees above and, and there's lush hedges around. And occasionally a car will drive past, but there's not very many of them on the roads at the moment. Um, you're just, you know, out for your stroll. And then you feel a, a chill in the air. And you glance up and see that dark clouds are gathering overhead. And before you know it, you're in the middle of a downpour. 
And you weren't expecting this. The weather forecast said it would be clear and sunny, and that was useless, as usual. Um, so you, you, you don't have your raincoat with you. You're far from home. What are you going to do? You're looking around desperately, and you spot a bus stop just across the road. So you splash across the road and huddle beneath this bus shelter. And the rain is drumming on the roof and there's rivers running down the plexiglass. But it's a place of seclusion where you can hide until the storm has passed. And that's the kind of imagery that this psalm invokes. It speaks of God being a place of comfort and rest, a place of protection in the storms. Which I found to be helpful context for the rest of the psalm, particularly because some of the claims in the psalm can seem a little bit far off at times. Uh, It speaks of no harm overtaking you, no disaster coming near your tent, which seems to suggest that no bad things will happen to you. And it's our lived experience and elsewhere in scripture we understand that that is not a simple reality. So what do we do with that? Well, again, I don't have time to do justice to that. You'd need a whole long theology course probably to grapple with all of those. Um, But from the wider context of scripture, we can know some things about God that help us to understand this better, that he's a God who can bring restoration. So, for example, when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, he later says to them, what you intended for evil, God has brought about for good. We understand that in the light of Jesus' death and resurrection, everything is different, such that Paul, who pens a significant portion of the New Testament, writes in one of his letters that for him to die is gain and to live is Christ. Even death doesn't have any power over him. Evil can't actually harm him. And Jesus himself gives us this assurance that in this world we will face trials, but take heart because he has overcome the world. And the particular comfort that I've found from this psalm, from understanding that God is our shelter, is that when these things come, when these troubles and difficulties come, we know that we can shelter with God, that we can trust him. I'm going to make a bit of a tangent here. Bear with me. Um, I've found helpful insight into this psalm from, again, you know, the wider context of Scripture, and particularly the writings of, again, the Apostle Paul. Um, And can I just say, by the way, that I absolutely love that. I love that you can see threads running through Scripture, that psalms and epistles, they're, they're connected. It's all God's word, and, and it does all hold together. I, think, I just think that's really cool. It excites me. Um, so I looked to Paul because he had a bit of a rough time of it. That's a, something of an understatement. Um, in his second letter to the Corinthian church, he describes how he found himself in some really nasty hardships. Um, He says he was imprisoned, flogged, beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked. He was in danger from rivers, from bandits, from Jews and Gentiles, and from false believers. He went hungry and thirsty and without sleep and cold and naked, perhaps not all at the same time, but he was a man who was intimately familiar with hardships. 
And in his letter to the Romans, in chapter 8, he declares his confidence that we don't merely survive such things, but we are more than conquerors. He says that nothing in creation, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, nothing will be able to separate us from, from what? From happiness? From better things to come? No, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if you compare this to Psalm 91, verses 5 to 6, there you see a similar list of dangers. It describes arrows, attacks from enemies, pestilences, plagues. That that phrase can also be translated to just be destruction, the, the destruction that wastes. And the unseen, unspeakable, lurking dread in the darkness... And the promise that's made in Psalm 91 is that you will not fear them. Even when they come battering at the doors, you've already spent time dwelling with God, dwelling in his shadow. You know him and you know that these things won't be able to tear you apart from his love. Nothing can separate us from him. So our God makes a promise of a shelter. I think there's an even greater promise than that. Uh, because yes, it's a shelter, and we're told to dwell, but, but we're told to dwell there. To dwell, which speaks of abiding, of remaining, of, of setting up camp. Now, if you're out on your walk and you're caught in the rain and you're sheltering under this bus stop, you wouldn't, you wouldn't stay any longer than necessary in the bus shelter. Once the rain dies down, you're going to head off back home, get out of your wet clothes um, and into something warm and dry and curl up on the, in front of the television. And yet God here is inviting us to stay a little longer, to wait once the danger has passed, to linger in his shadow. Now that doesn't make very much sense if God were just interested in being our shelter. But it makes a lot more sense if God wants to deepen his relationship with us. Now, I was at a a nature reserve recently uh, down in Sussex. I was visiting my girlfriend, following appropriate safety protocols, don't worry. And we went for a walk around a lake uh, that was full of waterfowl. There was was swans and geese, uh, there was a a mandarin duck and an Egyptian goose. Um, And I was was struck by a mother coot, one of those little blackbirds with, it's either the red or the white spot on their beak. Somebody at home is yelling at the television as though it were a a quiz show right now. Um, uh, A mother coot and her little chicks. Uh, These just tiny little black balls of fluff that they were swimming in the water or striding along on some log with their long spindly feet. Um, And where the ducklings would crowd around the mother duck and stay as close as possible, these intrepid explorers were off on their own, seemingly unconcerned for the possible dangers around them. I'm sure there was fish lurking in the water below and there were occasional ducks that would come splashing in. And of course, there's these humans gawking at them from the side and they 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 didn't seem to care about any of this and watching a little further i realized that 
even if they couldn't see their mother, every so often she would let out a, a little chirp and they would all come scurrying back to her. They weren't concerned because they knew her. They knew her voice. And they knew that they had safety with her. This psalm says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. Those moorhens or coots had a, a personal bond to their mother. They knew that they were safe with her, but more than that, they knew her. They knew her intimately. They'd probably spent most of their life just a few feet from her or literally underneath her wings. And I think that if we were pursuing the same kind of relationship with God, as those moorhen chicks had with their mother, then we would be in a, well, it's, we'd be along the right path. Nothing can separate us from his love, and that's a love that yearns for more. God wants us to spend a bit more time with him as we learn his voice, as we understand who he is, his character, and as we learn to love him more. So this is my favorite psalm. Uh, it's my favorite because it gives insight into the character of God, which is displayed primarily through the promises in there. So far, I've focused mostly on the first promise, um, that if we dwell with God, we will find rest and safety. And we've seen what an incredible invitation that is, both as a promise of temporary shelter uh, and as an offer to linger a bit longer for more relationship. The final verses of the psalm point to another step up. And I don't think this is particularly controversial, that God is willing to keep on giving as much as we're willing to keep on meeting with him. So just look at the final verses of the psalm where it speaks from God's perspective. And consider the division of labor here. God says, because he loves me, he being whoever dwells in his shelter, because he loves me, I will rescue him. Because he acknowledges my name, I will protect him. When he calls upon me, I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver and honor him. And then the last promises don't require anything at all on our part. He says, I will satisfy him with long life and I will show him my salvation. He's not asking very much of us. And in fact, all through the psalm, if you look at the verbs in the psalm, it is God who's doing most of it, and we are responding and dwelling and calling. He's, he's the one who's taking most of the action, doing most of the heavy lifting. Um, and I believe, sincerely believe, that it's because God is eager to meet us and to take our relationship with him further and further into a long life. Indeed, just looking again at those last verses, there's a journey of growing relationship with God in them. He answers our calls. We cry out to him. He answers. He comes. He's there with us in trouble. But he's not powerless. He rescues us and delivers us from that place. And then he's not satisfied to just go off and leave us to it once we're safe again. He protects us. He sets up a foundation for the future. And then he honors us. God honoring us. It seems like the wrong way around, but he's wanting to invest something here. And then he will satisfy us with a long life in the light of his salvation. You see, God's desire is not to be merely a shelter. God wants to be a companion. Now, 
We've been through a very unusual time recently. I know that for some of you, the dangers and worries are not yet over. The church will continue to stand with you and to support you through that. And I hope that this psalm can continue to bring comfort from God's faithfulness and his love. For many of us, the danger seems to be passing. The country is opening up again and life is returning to normal. My hope, my plea to you today is that as the downpour passes and the sun starts to shine again, that you don't stop dwelling with the Most High. Because that's the starting place to seeing his faithfulness in our lives. So once again, for those of you who don't know God, if something of the faith and love and confidence that has been expressed today has caught hold of you, that's an open invitation. Whoever calls upon him, whoever dwells in his presence, take the chance and cry out to him. And we're here to help you. We're more than happy if you want to message your Christian friends or get in touch with somebody at the church, then we'd be delighted to help you walk through that. For those of you who do already know God intimately, then think about how you can do this practically. What time can you set aside to dwell with him as life starts to open up again? As Ruth was saying earlier, we, what time can you set aside to, to dwell on his prophetic words, on what he's been saying to us in our lives? What ways can you demonstrate your faith? The faith that's so powerfully expressed in this psalm. We can, uh, we can do so with simple things like saying grace before our meals or diligently showing our faith by tithing our income. What else can you think of? And it says, call upon him and he will answer you. So call for more of his Holy Spirit, more of his presence. And then wait with expectation for those promises to come as you find rest in his shadow. Well, that's all from me. Um, I look forward to seeing you all in the flesh someday, hopefully fairly soon. God bless.